Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Welcome, quality people, to episode number 31 of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And as always, it is an honor and a pleasure to bring to you another great healthcare quality and process improvement leader and today's guest absolutely lives up to that standard. Now, before introducing today's guest, I do have a little bit of mud pie to eat. Very early in this episode, you will hear me tease our guest around the fact that she attended the University of Florida, and as you all know, I attended and played for the University of Miami. Well, that game has officially come and gone as of last week, and unfortunately, my Hurricanes lost in a very competitive, but really a very ugly season opener. So, with that, hats off to anyone representing the University of Florida Gators. Now, today's guest is going to bring an incredible amount of value to you all in this episode. Dr. Ashley Benedict is the VSIN System Redesign Coordinator and Lean Six Sigma Program Manager for the VA Sunshine Healthcare Network. Here, she leads improvement initiatives and offers support through facilitation and data-driven solutions as they continue their improvement journey. Locally, VSIN 8 has developed Lean Six Sigma training programs as a standard program across their entire network, and Ashley has worked with the systems redesign team to develop standard work for the program, including tools, toll gates, and training materials. Ashley received her bachelor's and master's in industrial engineering from the University of Florida, as well as a PhD in industrial engineering from Purdue. She has held positions as a management engineer, at UF Health in Gainesville, Florida, the New England Veterans Engineering Resource Center, or VERC, in Boston, Massachusetts, and is a past president and board member with the Societies for Health Systems. Here in episode 31, Ashley shares with us her career story and highlights that being a quality person was truly in her DNA. She walks us through the day in the life as a VA quality improvement leader. She shares a great story around following the rules of engagement when working on an improvement team. You'll learn what the most important skill is for healthcare quality improvement experts, and I agree with this 1,000%, as well as she'll share with us the power of icebreakers when working in improvement teams. Ashley shares her aha moment connected to big data and the future of EHRs, and you'll learn how Ashley maximizes her personal productivity with standard work. Dr. Ashley Benedict, thank you so much for leaning in with this podcast and for sharing just the incredible amount of value with our listeners today. I wish you the absolute best in everything that you do, and I look forward to any and all programs that you develop to teach quality people facilitation skills. Quality people, I hope that you enjoy today's episodes and the gems of insight and wisdom that Ashley is sharing. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with another quality guest. All right, Ashley, are you ready to share with some quality people? I'm looking forward to it, Jarvis. 
All right, perfect. Well, Ashley, we love to start every show with positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. So I would love for you to share a favorite quote or a favorite mindset, but also share how you apply it on a daily basis. So I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and um, there's a Salvador Dali. And Salvador Dali has this quote that says, have no fear of perfection. You'll never reach it. Um, I know you said positive affirmation, (laughs) Um, but I like the sense of this, you know, um, as somebody who works in an area of continuous improvement, I tell my students this anytime I'm doing a training, uh, because within Lean and Lean Six Sigma, there's this continuous pursuit of perfection, right? Like that's what we're striving for. But I love the contrast of Dolly's quote in that don't fear perfection, like go after it. You'll never reach it. And that's like, what's so cool about um, applying these, you know, lean and lean Six Sigma principles to the work that we get to do. It's taking something and striving for it, but not being afraid of it. Um, So I I have a magnet on my fridge. I like to include this quote, you know, in my trainings. Uh, But I love that sense of, you know, not having fear and going out. All right. That's wonderful. I love the quote. I've never heard that one before, so I appreciate you sharing it. But I have to be honest that I almost hung up on you when you bragged about living in Florida. Um, (laughs) I am so homesick that it's not even funny. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm not going to lie. Today has been like the most beautiful day, too. It's just we had some rain come through last night and now it's just perfect temp, perfect weather. All right. So here comes the, uh, here comes the ringtone right here. So (laughs) no, Ashley, no, thank you very much. No, that was an awesome quote and uh, a good way. I I love just kind of getting the show started with a good message. And I think that's one that will resonate because, you know, we do push hardest quality people um, to, to try to either push our teams to be the best or to push ourselves. So I think that is a very, very fair quote. So perfect. And, um, Ashley, uh, would love to start. First official question, I guess, is, is to have you share with us your introduction into quality, um, to share with us what led you down this career path and got you started. And, and I will share with our listeners, um, just as we were talking during our pre-show, um, I just learned you had a PhD in industrial engineering. I've known you for so long and didn't even know that your real title was Dr. Benedict, but... <laughs> Would love to uh, to learn more about you. Sh- share some more about your background that we don't know. Sure. Um, so, so this is interesting because I, I don't know the time where I thought, you know what, efficiency is, is important and doing the right thing the first time is important. But I think as a kid even, you know, it was like, how can I get this chore done as quickly as possible in the most efficient manner, you know, right you know, not having to go back and do it again. So I think it sometimes uh, quality people, it's just like ingrained, right? It's part of who you are. It's part of your thought. Um, But what cracked me up is that it really took a college roommate to tell me, Ashley, you are in the wrong career. And I was pursuing, I was an engineer still. Uh, I was pursuing a material science degree. She talked to me and she said, she was an industrial engineer. Uh, student and um, you know we started at the same time but she found her career path much quicker than I did because I thought no no I really like this and then she started telling me about her program and I was like this is what I've been waiting for my whole life and 
I was already pretty far into a master's. Oh, so I, I have a minor in case you needed me to do any master or material science stuff for you. Don't ask me to do any material science stuff for you, please. Um, but I, she really triggered my thoughts into taking something that I just kind of naturally did, felt, enjoyed, and then thinking of it as a possible career path and taking classes that were really enjoyable. Um, so that was really my first introduction because industrial engineering is focused so much on quality improvement, um, you know, looking at processes, uh, looking at teamwork, uh, how teams work together, uh, understanding the system that you're working within. So that would be my first introduction. How I found healthcare, on the other hand, was just sheer fate. I mean, I don't even have real explanation for it. So I was, you know, wrapped up. I ended up doing a co-op when I was in my undergrad um, with a telecommunications company. Found that I did not really enjoy that a whole lot. Uh, so I was applying for jobs, you know, senior applying for jobs and ended up uh, having a, you know, putting my resume out there in the hospital system. I went to the University of Florida, so go Gators was um, hiring. So at the time it was called Shands. Now it's called UF Health at Shands Hospital. And they were hiring and I was like, well, that's interesting. So I put my resume in um, and had no idea that there were any industrial engineers in healthcare at all. And at one point, I think in my life, I thought, you know what, it would be cool to be a doctor, but um, some people might not know this about me, but I'm like a very emotional person. Like if you're crying, Jarvis, I'm crying. Like I cannot just let somebody cry on their own. So I thought I would never make it as a doctor. I, I don't think I could get past that super emotional um, aspect of working with patients and uh, having to deliver any sort of bad news. And so I just kind of like drew a line through that career choice. And when I found that there was industrial engineers in healthcare, it was like, where has this been my whole life? I mean, it just really was, um, you know, the stars aligning and everything coming together. And so I, I applied for the job. There were a number of applicants and I was selected as their final um, selection. And going into that job, I had wonderful colleagues and many who turned into mentors, who turned into, you know, best friends. And uh, then that led me to, you know, going to get my PhD just from taking a master's classes while I was um, at working there. It was just too convenient to not go back and get more education, right? And um, then that led me, um, and then again, kind of finding healthcare again as an opportunity working for the VA. Um, it all just kind of aligned and said, like, this is your this is your given career path right now. Um, just meeting the right people at the right time. No, that's that's wonderful. Um, you know, Ashley, I, I think your entire journey there was virtually perfect until you said the piece about the University of Florida. So. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm only ragging on you because, you know, Miami and Florida plays um, in our kickoff game this year. So I will be calling you again in August to really talk, talk trash. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait for it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, no, Ashley, you know, thank you seriously for that introduction again. But let me let me ask you this, because um, I, I just I, I've had the chance in my career path to work in a number of different areas in healthcare. So I've done, um, you know, the not for profit. I've done academic. I've done the for profits. Um, you know, I, I guess for me, I've never worked in government. So I would love for you, if you're OK, to. Um, maybe give us a, a really quick overview, a day in the life of Ashley Benedict working at the VA um, in that government setting. What does, you know, Lean and Six Sigma rollouts and training and the things that you're doing on a daily basis look like? Yeah, so um, I think like most industrial engineers in a healthcare position, right, never did, n- never does one day look the same as the next. Um, which is cool. One of the things I love the most about my job, uh, I was sharing with you, we're in a, we're doing a three week black belt training. We've got it broken up over multiple uh, months. So we just finished our second week uh, last week. So spent a lot of time training, uh, working with the students. Um, But the thing I really like about um, working for the VA and what is unique about it relative to, I mean, even not for profits, they have to make money, right? Like they still have to have some sort of income coming in or get some sort of support. Um, But with the VA, it's really, the mission is around the veterans and providing the best care for the veterans. So I have found it really um, such a privilege to work for an organization that's primary mission is to care for uh, people who put their lives on the lines for us. Um, and to do it in such a way that you're not uh, going after them, you know, and saying, hey, um, you know, sorry, you can't afford this. So we're not going to be able to treat you for this symptom or this um, disease you have. Um, there's really some great stuff that the VA does. I don't know that they highlight it quite enough. There's so many g- cool things that, um, they're just really forward thinking in. Um, but to counter that at times there's bureaucracy, right? Like Congress controls the VA. <laughs> so we have our CEOs, we have a lot more CEOs than most other people. So that can be a challenge, but I, I really approach my job as what can I do for those that I can influence, right? Who around me can I have an impact on? And if it's a frontline nurse who I interact with at a training, um, I want to use my kind of power of good for that. If it is actually a physician contacted me today to say, Ashley, I'm really interested in learning more about data analytics. I worked with her on a very small project and just kind of talking with her. We, you know, we're chatting about things and she's like, I'd really like to learn more about data analytics. So I put her, you know, I gave her a few references for some courses she could take, um, some opportunities out there and she was so excited like here she is a primary care physician still wanting to learn more interested in the you know the data component of healthcare not just seeing the patients um, and caring for them but also understanding uh, the information that's out there and available to them so that's um, that's unique I work actually for um, the VA Sunshine Healthcare Network. So the VA is divided up into networks. And within my network, we cover Florida, a little bit of Southern Georgia, Puerto Rico, and the US, U.S. Virgin Islands, which sounds lovely, but I only get down to Puerto Rico like once every two years. 
we always have those chances of hurricanes coming through, which is um, very scary for them. Uh, but it gives, it really is unique in the sense that we care for a lot of veterans in Florida. I don't know if you know that people like to retire. Um, and we have young uh, veterans that are moving here as well. So it gives a really wide span of people that we're caring for um, that have unique conditions that you're not necessarily seeing in a normal healthcare system. Uh, you know, healthcare systems do have a range, but they don't always have like that niche market. Um, so that provides a different context as well. Well, and I know from um, my experience here in Atlanta, we have a VA um, that's here in town and uh, I had a chance to connect with some of the quality improvement leaders there and they introduced me, um, I believe the name of the program is something like the VA Quality Scholars Program. I don't know if you're familiar with that or if I'm saying Yeah, I, okay. I'm not super familiar, but yeah, it does exist. I think um, it's open maybe to more physicians and then yeah. uh, masters and PhDs maybe. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. But they essentially take um, these clinical leaders through a quality, basically like a quality internship. Um, and, you know, they build curriculum. They, if I recall correctly, I think they take them on basically like field trips or site visits to other organizations that are doing um, quality improvement, lean or Six Sigma or all those types of uh, functions. So uh, again, just not you know, having not ever plugged into the government from a healthcare perspective, um, just the the chances that I've had to peek in and see the things that was going on in the VA. Um, very impressed. Obviously, I've known you for some number of years, always been impressed with you. So, um, you know, just the, the world that I hadn't been exposed to. So I, I appreciate you sharing a little bit more about the things you're doing there. Yeah, I mean, it really is. a. I think all VA employees, um, understand the mission of the organization, which you don't always get from every organization you're working with. Uh, but the, the intent, you know, of caring for our veterans is, you know, key for every employee. Absolutely. Well, actually, let me, uh, let me move us to the next question. And I, I'm going to have fun with this because you obviously shared that you were still kind of thinking of a great story to share, but I would love for you to take our quality people through um, your journey as a quality improvement professional and share with us one of, uh, of the moments that you would consider perhaps maybe your worst moment as a quality professional. Um, you know, take us through the situation, but also help us understand some of the decisions that you were uh, considering in order to turn that moment around. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I did mention this one was a challenge because. I feel like every time something kind of goes wrong or you would think it's bad, uh, you use it as a learning moment and you, you know, you adapt and you change and um, the next time you might not experience that same problem. So the one that came to mind, um, and it's not maybe as much quality um, as maybe more, maybe in an admin type quality piece. Um, but I was working on a logistics project. And for some reason, and so I, I worked for both UF Health and uh, the VA. And in both cases, I've, for some reason, spent a lot of times in logistics. I don't know if that's because of industrial engineering and uh, logistics being pretty tightly connected to that. Um, but I've, I've worked in logistics projects on both. And in one of them, um, we were working on a project and we were looking at a way um, 
to make some improvements. Um, and we had been brainstorming and I, I, and I said, Hey guys, like we came up with these ideas and there's a really great one here. I think we should do. Um, and it was something around purchasing. I thought it was, you know, a, a great solution to a problem we were having. Um, and, and then the next thing I know, uh, the CFO's on the phone and uh, my boss is getting an email and I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Like I, that we brainstormed, the team had all these ideas. I just, I mentioned it to somebody. They thought it was a good idea. Like it was in passing even. It wasn't like I scheduled a special meeting with leadership. I just like, you know, somebody of a leadership status I was chatting with and mentioned this, what I thought was a really great solution. Um, but I didn't talk to the team before I talked to leadership. And I really realized that when brainstorming ideas, you know, that you throw out everything you can. And some of them sound great, but when you really, you know, go through whether you're going to prioritize them or, you know, when you prioritize them, not whether you do or not, but right when you prioritize your solutions, um, sometimes you think way bigger than what you can actually do. Like, is it even feasible? Um, you know, do you have the time, energy? Uh, is it something we can actually do, right? Like there's policy and there's rules and there's, you know, SOPs we have to follow. <laughs> um, and the fact that I took something that was brainstormed, you know, and, and I'm, I was definitely breaking uh, kind of the rules of engagement of brainstorming, right? And, and taking that to leadership um, was like, because the leader was like, yes, let's do this. But he also was relatively, I mean, I wasn't that new, but I was newer. And he was like kind of brand new in his position. So he didn't even know like the rules around some of the stuff. So he said, yes, let's do this. And he starts sending out emails to people and we're going to do this. And again, I mentioned the CFO comes back on and says, yeah, this, um, then the person, like the person that one of the people that had brainstormed the idea was now getting like targeted, like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, breaking the policy. How dare you think this? And, uh, it was really just like, for me, I, I mean, that really, you know, in a job interview, what was your worst experience kind of in a, in a Jarvis podcast, what's your worst experience? That's the one that came to mind. Cause I took something that I, I should have known better in a sense, you know, I should have known that when we're working through projects that you need to go through the steps to get to that final, what are the things we should do? And I, I don't know, I just skipped the steps and, um, it really, uh, it was a very uncomfortable situation. I will say one of the like learning points from it was um, my leader, my, my direct supervisor was so understanding and was like, you know, we're all trying to figure it out. Nobody has all the answers. Uh, and her support during that time was just priceless. I mean, really the, the, okay, my, supervisor has my back, you know, and not, oh, well, let's just throw Ashley under the bus and say, well, Ashley didn't know what she was doing. So too bad. We're going to move along. Um, she really supported me. Um, and then the team, the team forgave me after we got it cleared up. 
Um, and we came up with some other solutions <laughs> and plans and then prioritized and delivered that to leadership in a, a structured way. Um, but yeah, that was a real kind of learning point for me that you can't, you can't try to take shortcuts when working on improvement. Well, and, and let me ask this then, um, what does Ashley today tell Ashley back then, um, even before making that decision, how, how, how do you coach yourself up? Or, you know, if you're working with a younger uh, team member today, how would you coach them in a way that, um, you know, helps them kind of see to, to not make that same mistake? Yeah, um, I would say work the process. So if you're following, so in, in my um, network, and we follow Demaic, right? Define, measure, analyze, improve, control. And I am, I feel like I'm constantly telling whether it's a, you know, a group going through yellow belt, green belt, black belt, um, to not jump. And I find myself telling, you know, mentally talking to myself, like, don't jump to solutions. Like we have to work through what's the problem. Um, and I think the same, like for people coming in, I remember, you know, being, telling you about my, you know, going to UF Health for my first job. And, you know, I'm in the hospital and I think I have great ideas. I'm like seeing all this waste and all these issues. And I just, I know the answer, right? I'm an industrial engineer. I was trained in this. I can see all of your solutions, but that's not how improvement works. And I feel especially improvement in healthcare because it's so team-based. And for a young professional coming into this type of career, you have to acknowledge that it's team-based and appreciate that it's team-based because a team is going to make you so much stronger than you as an individual. Um, people are going to teach you things that you didn't even know were possible. You're going to share your experience with others. Um, and I think that, like, if I could kind of go back and tell myself that, like, trust the team, you know, you, we're going to get, we're going to figure it out and we're going to come up with a solution. Um, and really, again, work through the process. Don't take shortcuts, you know, do that define, do that measure. When you start to get to that solution making uh, or, um, you know, brainstorming, prioritize them and then have the team say, here's what we need to do. Uh, but that, yeah, that was a real aha. All right. Perfect. No, I love it. And, um, you know, I, I love the the relevance of that question because uh, I found that, you know, for a lot of our guests, it just helps them to be reflective in the moment. But I, I'm hoping that some of the listeners can um, plug into your dark moments and, and pull out, you know, pull out something that will just help them as they continue to look forward in their career. So thank you for uh, just for, for kind of coaching us and sharing that moment. But uh, let's turn the, the conversation a little bit more productive, hopefully a little bit funner now. Um, would love for you to give our quality people a tip or a tool or a tactic that you found works really well when building up that intimate connection within project teams. But share with us, obviously, what the tool is, but how do you apply it and, and make it as effective as possible? So I and I tell every um, young student or old student or anybody I meet, the one um, skill, so I'm, I, I got a two part to this question, kind of the one skill I wish I would have started refining earlier. So I'm good at Excel. I can handle Outlook. I can do a great PowerPoint. I can even uh, dabble and, you know, access. I can write very basic SQL code. Um, 
but facilitation is the one skill that I wish I would have picked up on earlier that I, that is a very um, important skill, um, but something that you can learn and practice and refine. Uh, and with that kind of skill of facilitation, um, the thing I use the most, uh, and it, it's, I don't, and this, I, I liked this question because the first thing that came to mind was, is as simple as icebreakers, getting to know someone else. I have a friend who teases me. Um, he calls me the ice queen, but in, in a loving way, um, because every time I get a group of people together, I'm like, okay, what icebreaker are we going to do? Um, and one that I've just uh, recently been using quite a bit is I went online, imagine that, and I Googled conversation starters. And I found a site that had like 300 conversation starters. Things like, uh, what is your most favorite app on your phone? Do you prefer reality TV? Um, you know, uh, what's the last book you read? Simple things like that, um, that you can ask quickly, right? It doesn't take forever. I could, you know, ask 10 people, hey, what's the last book you read? It's amazing how many people don't read books anymore. So it's like, okay, what's the last article you read? What's the last thing you read on Facebook? Whatever it is, but asking them a quick question and getting some more insights into them. Because I find that when we talk about um, I just learned the name of this, but like the phases of, um, you know, team development and it's Tuckman's model. That was a new word. I, I did not know Tuckman created this model, but of uh, forming, storming, norming, performing, and then adjoining as a team. You want to get people through that storming phase kind of as quickly as possible, right? So you can get to performing. And I find that when people know each other, know something about somebody else in that team that they connect to one little nugget about them that they can get to that performing step so much faster than if it's just a team that's come into a room and now they need to start working. So again, take a little bit of time. I, I, I do it. I have, um, you know, people always say, say, Oh, well, that's great when you're an in-person, but we can't do that because we're on Skype or we're on, you know, whatever our instant, messaging technology is at work, you know, yeah, but you can. So I normally, before every meeting, people are calling in, right? People are going to be running to use the restroom. People are going to be running late from their last meeting. So I give about three to four minutes of just time where people can write in the chat box, their name, what their facility they're from. And then I ask a question and I have learned things about people. I've learned about new apps. I didn't know about, I've learned about new TV shows I should be watching. Um, and I think everybody participating gets a little bit more out of it. So icebreakers is by far my favorite. No, well, I, um, I am personally always in search of really good icebreakers. So, um, so I agree with you. I, I'm, you know, just personal favorite thing to do just to, to literally break the ice in the meetings. But um, to your point about facilitation, I agree with you 100%. Um, I was fortunate in my career that uh, when I first started in healthcare, the team I worked with at Duke University Health System um, put me and a number of other PI folks through facilitation training. And those skills that I picked up, hands down, they, they've saved my butt on so many different occasions. Um, 
because you learn the art of getting thrown right into the middle of a meeting and how to pull it together or coming in if you're lucky at the beginning and, and just organizing it the, the right way the first time. But um, when I talk to, to younger folks or folks just getting into the PI game now, that's one of the top things I tell them. You know, they, they always want to know, do I do lean or project management? And I'm like, you do facilitation. Everything, <laughs> exactly. everything else will come together. You can always pick up those skills, but learning how to navigate a large group of people, that's something that takes a lot of practice. So, Yeah. It's now turned in though to one of the favorite parts of my job. So you were, mm -hmm. you know, going back a little bit to what you asked me to do, I will help support, you know, we have seven facilities in my network and we get some of them together depending on the topic. So in a couple months, we'll be getting our primary care teams, not teams, but primary care leads and uh, people together. And we'll have, you know, 100 people in the room, 150 people in the room. And that that is one of my most favorite times because we want to make that time productive and effective and not just 150 people sitting in a room being lectured to. That's not productive. Um, so really trying to change that mindset of what can you accomplish when working with teams, whether it's a team of five or a team of 150. Um, yeah, I'd love it. All right. Wonderful. And you started to allude to it a little bit ago, but I want to move us to the next question, which is for you to share with us um, one of your best aha moments that you've had as a quality professional. But again, walk us through uh, what was going on, the situation, and most definitely the um, decisions that you were going through to turn that idea into a personal or professional success. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, it probably does stem from when I realized that facilitation was a skill that you can learn and apply. Um, and so I, kind of like you, I was blessed with uh, receiving some training. It wasn't until uh, I got to the VA. Uh, I, when I first started in the VA, I was up in New England. I was living in Boston. And then I realized it was way too cold, and I made my way down to Florida. Um, and I went, I, I'd gone to one training and I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is a cool tool. You know, we were learning, um, pick charts or impact effort charts. And I was like, that's cool. I could use that in teams. Um, and then we were, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, I brainstormed with groups before. And the instructor, uh, her name is Ingrid Benz. Um, that's who we had as our trainer who I am a total fangirl over. Um, I saw her in the airport once and I was too embarrassed to speak to her. That's how nerdy I am about facilitation and Ingrid Benz. Uh, but her approach and her technique was so wonderful. I enjoyed the training. And as somebody who, you know, is a lifelong learner, I didn't always feel like every training I went to added a lot of value. Sometimes I was like, oh, I, yeah, I know this stuff already. Or, oh, this instructor, they're so boring. Um, you know, I don't want to listen to them for the next hour or two hours or day. And this person I was so engaged with. I wanted to listen. I wanted to learn more. Um, you know, I was up putting stuff on the wall. I was sitting down. I was brainstorming. I was it was interactive and that led me to rethink how I interacted with teams. Um, taking the sense of, I, I 
kid a lot with my teams that I'm working with. And I say, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. You have a lazy facilitator. And I, I joke saying that, uh, but I'm honest about it because the sense is, is I want them to write down their ideas. I want them to be up at the board moving stuff around. I, it's not my project. It's our project. Or at times it's their project and I'm just here to help facilitate it. And that really helped me see the difference in how you get people to own improvement versus trying to just coach them through improvement. And the skills and the tools that you can learn through facilitation can really just change your outlook. It can, it, it makes every meeting different. And you learn my, one of my, and I, this probably should have been my favorite tool. I have so many Jarvis, but this is, this is hard and I have to share this one. But at the end of almost every meeting I have, I do a plus delta about what went well and what could be improved and how. And not about the content we talked about, but the actual meeting. And I've had people tell me, um, you know, in this training, I had to do way too much standing up. How often do you go to a training and get told you stood up too much, right? Normally you're sitting and you're like, can we please take a stretch break? Can we please stand up and walk around a little bit? Um, but getting that feedback of what went well and what could be improved and how. Um, and the beauty, the beautiful part of this is every time I have another training, I think about what I got feedback on last time. And so people have told me, hey, I love using, you know, that you gave us the post-it notes and markers so we could write on them. Um, I've had people tell me, no, that didn't work so well because my handwriting is atrocious. You know, so maybe you have you next time say, hey, does somebody want to be our scribe? Um, are people comfortable with that? Maybe checking in with them before assigning them to do that. Um, but I love that concept because it's, again, it's going back to that sense of like, I'm never going to have the perfect meeting. There's never going to be a perfect meeting, right? Because it's a meeting. Yeah, you can't have perfection with a meeting. But uh, you work towards it and you take the facilitation skills to work towards that sense of, this went really well. This was a good meeting. We got a lot out of it and we accomplished a lot. Um, so, you know, using people's time effectively is really what I enjoy from all right, perfect. And let me ask this with, um, you know, with our connections to, to programs like um, IISC and um, the Societies for Health Systems, the next question that I have for you speaks to uh, some of the changes going on across the healthcare industry. I would love to learn what changes specifically are you following and the ones that excite you about, um, you know, the impact on healthcare, but where do you see quality professionals also playing a role to promote or support some of those changes? Oh, good question. Um, I think one key thing is around the sense of the data that's available. Um, I will say one of the beautiful things of working in the VA is uh, we have had an electronic health record for years. So talk about, you know, big data and having a lot to kind of harvest from to understand processes and understand um, conditions of, you know, what the uh, processes are um, is out there. And I think that's only getting bigger. Now, I have seen some 
you know, stuff around, well, EHRs are cool and yeah, they help uh, health systems get money, but they're not necessarily actually doing much with quality, you know, in the sense that it's, they kind of took a lot of paper processes and changed them into computer processes, but they didn't change the process, right? The way we interact with the computer and the way our minds think is very different than how we might interact with paper. So I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for um, looking at how we use, you know, whether it's EHRs or technology and applying a human-centered design or human factors type approach to it um, so that the, the customers, the users of that, whether it's the users of the people receiving the information, such as the patient or the veteran, um, or the folks that are putting in the information uh, have that ability to, you know, give feedback, make changes, create a system that truly works. I just think of like every time, you know, one of my time-wasting apps gets an update and I'm like, oh my gosh, this got updated. And then, you know, two, two weeks later, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than it was before. I think sometimes, and especially like large system type things, we get stuck in like, well, it was created this way. So we have to use it this way and not go through again, those like iterations of change um, to get to a better product and to really think about how the uh, human does it. Um, and with that, I mean, as we have more and more of these systems that we use appropriately, what we can create with data, what we can show, um, you know, understanding I've, I mentioned I've been working with black belts. We're in week two, so we've been doing a lot of um, analyze. We started out the week with analyze and talking to them, you know, about doing control charts and hypothesis testing. You know, is this process truly different from this other? You know, is, is there a difference between these two floors? Is there a difference between these two doctors? Is there a difference? Is one actually doing better than the other or worse than the other? Nobody really tends to be looking at that or talking about that, whereas you might think that's, you know, as in other fields that's used regularly. But we have a lot of opportunity to actually see uh, what the data is telling us um, and, and investigate it a little bit more. So I think there's a lot of opportunity around that uh, as, you know, as the industry continues to change. Well, and to add on to that question a little bit then, are there any key skill sets that we need to go and, and pursue as quality and process improvement professionals, regardless if we're, you know, engineers or, you know, come in with clinical backgrounds? What are some of the top skill sets we should also kind of have on our radar to pick up? Well, I think data visualization is key. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I know at times when I'm working on something, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is exactly this is showing exactly what I need it to show. And then I show it to somebody else and they're like, are you trying to show that? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Like, I think sometimes we get in our own minds what we think, you know, other people are going to interpret the information as. So I would say data visualization, which again comes down to like that human usability. Are people able and to understand what's being shown? able to do something with the information, not just information for the sake of showing it, um, but really use it and make decisions based off of it. I think of like 
control charts. I mean, industrial engineers should be walking out the door knowing how to use control charts and how to um, calculate. Why calculate though when you can just use Minitab or another statistical software to calculate for you, right? But um, to to figure out that information. But I, and I think quality professionals who are more clinical by background could easily pick up those skills. But I still have a hard time finding them actually used in healthcare a lot. Um, and, and maybe somebody will surprise me. I'll get a message in LinkedIn telling me, oh no, you know, we use these all the time. But I haven't seen uh, that used so frequently that it's really driving um, kind of leadership decision-making, I guess I should say. Sometimes it's used, but leaders don't necessarily understand why and how to use it. Um, so as you know, our healthcare quality leaders turn into just healthcare leaders, hopefully they're running quality systems, but uh, that they will take that with them. All right, absolutely. And that, that actually almost starts to lead in then with my next question, which is how can the healthcare industry become a, a more attractive place um, for the ambitious, for the talented quality professionals out there who are thinking about jumping into healthcare you know, at the beginning of a career or for those who are already in healthcare to continue to stay in healthcare and push forward in their careers? Yeah. So I think healthcare, my experience with healthcare is that there's a, a very much a servant leadership approach, right? We're one healthcare is unique in that we're caring for people who you know, at times don't really want to be within your health. They don't want, they don't want to have whatever they're there for. I mean, unless they're having a baby and then they want to be there for that. But, you know, at times we're hitting people at low moments in their life, moments when they're finding out bad news, um, moments when, you know, accidents happen and they're trying to recover from that. Um, and it's, it really creates this opportunity to, um, care for people at low points in their life in such a way that we're providing them it's you know they don't necessarily want to be there but we're trying to give them the best quality care we can um, or we're trying to create you know an atmosphere where they don't feel stressed out that they're able to be open and talk and and share what's on their mind um, and i think a lot of especially like young professionals millennials um they they care about that they care about the good, you know, doing good. Um, sometimes I think we discount them, uh, but so many of the millennials I've met uh, are really interested in doing more than just like the job, you know, not coming in. And, and I, I think that's one of the areas that, you know, government may struggle in these government positions is that there is a sense of like, well, that your work time is from this to this. And is there a blurry line sometimes, but sure. But, you know, they want to, they want to balance life and career and, um, you know, things they enjoy um, and really have a passion for the work that they're doing. And I think healthcare is just ripe for that. I've never one day regretted taking my engineering skills and applying them in healthcare. Not one day, because there's such beauty in taking something that you know maybe in other areas right is improving a widget and it's making more widgets go through more often 
Um, but being able to impact someone's life in the role that we have and making small changes that maybe it's not impacting that patient today, but it's going to really impact that patient a week from now. Um, I think there's real beauty, kind of the role that healthcare quality professionals play uh, that I think younger generations, as well as people that are thinking about pursuing healthcare, uh, you know, would really take heart to. Perfect. I love that answer there. And uh, let me share that um, you are right there at the halfway point. But what I'm going to do now is move us into the two minute drill part of our interview, very much the uh, the rapid improvement Q&A. Um, but I want to do a quick pulse check and just make sure you're ready before we get into it. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Wonderful. Well, can you tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best day in and day out as a quality professional? Um, so I love uh, that the healthcare system I work in, you know, cares for veterans. I've, I've mentioned that more than once. Uh, my father's a veteran. My brother is a veteran. Um, you know, I have friends, other family. Uh, and I, I just think it's such a special population to care for. Uh, and it really makes me excited to go to work every day. Um, I also love the fact that I get to, you know, work with others on making change. And I always, you know, I always think about people saying, well, nobody likes to change. That's not true. We are not, the, no, I don't know anybody that's the same person today that they were, you know, five, 10 years ago. Everybody is constantly changing. And to say that people don't like to change is really to discount people, you know, that everybody, but you want them to be able to change on their own terms. And that's one thing I really like is that you're, you know, in this role, I get to try to inspire, encourage, influence people to work on change, but do it in such a way that it motivates them to do it. Not a force function that says, Hey, you know, you have to change, you have to improve this. You have, I'm, you know, I'm telling you what you need to change this to, uh, but really engage them and help them see how they can, you know, what are their ideas? What suggestions do they have and take that and make the change? Um, I love that about my job, that it's not, you know, just kind of following the rules, but understanding sometimes you have to break the rules and change the rules and create new rules and do things differently. Um, and all the time while engaging, you know, the front line, the mid managers, as well as leadership throughout that process. All right. Perfect. And Ashley, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? So I read this, I read the book Lean In, Lean In um, which I highly uh, encourage for especially young females, but men as well. And one of the things that I took from it was they mentioned uh, your career path is not a ladder anymore. It's more like a jungle gym that sometimes you have to step down a ring or you have to step to the side or, you know, you're hanging there and then you're going to reach up to the next one. And maybe you got to go down again that we're not all in this like direct path. And I really like that concept that we're not just on a, you know, straight and narrow, uh, straight and narrow path to our final destination that it's, it's going to have some curves. It's going to have some ups. It's going to have some downs. Um, that's just really always stuck with me. 
perfect. And do you have a mentor that has made an impact on your career? I, yes, of course. I have many, <laughs> but one that stands out. Um, she was my uh, first boss when I got to the VA, Janice Hirsch. Um, she has been a boss, a mentor, a friend. Um, what I really took away from her was, uh, I still call her, you know, if I'm ever thinking about maybe making a career change, I give her a call or, um, you know, if I'm ever up in the New England area, I give her a call. But one of the things is she always saw the potential in everyone. She, she really understood people as individuals. Uh, and that, I won't say that's a strength I have, um, but seeing her in that role has really helped try to see others in that same way that I, I have to be aware of who they are as an individual, even if we're working in a team, right? I have to, I ha always have to have my mind on like a little bit about what they're thinking, how they're approaching things. Perfect. And could you share a personal habit that contributes to your successful and leading quality initiatives? So I'm big on like practicing what I preach. So I create a lot of standard work for myself. Um, and I will tell anybody that will listen to me in a training all about it. Um, I create tons of email templates. You know, I'll send an email out once a month. Guess what? I create a template for it. Um, I recently have been trying, I, I play around with how I'm going to do it. Um, but I've been using OneNote recently for my standard work. Um, and the other day I forgot, I wasn't on my computer and then I remembered I needed to send something, a reminder out. I normally send it at 8am and now it is 11am and I had to get it out as quickly as possible. And I was thinking, how long would this have taken me if I didn't have standard work around doing this process? And I was like, it probably would have taken me at least 45 minutes. And within about seven minutes, I had the email out to, it was a huge listserv. And I was like, okay, good. That's off my plate. Um, but actually putting into practice things I'm telling other people to, <laughs> to implement uh, is something I really strive for. So creating that standard work. All right, perfect. And I just want to say your, uh, your geekiness is so impressive. <laughs> uh, next question I have for you is, could you please share your number one internet resource? Or it could be an app resource that's on your mobile device since you apparently have so many of them through your uh, your icebreaker <laughs> exercises but um, would love for you to share a resource that helps you to be the most productive you're gonna crack up when you hear this one but uh -oh. I, it's like counter to having a resource my number one thing is remove alerts if you're on outlook and you get those alert pop-ups about every email you get turn it off if your cell phone gives you a pop-up every time somebody does something on Twitter, turn it off. If you want to be productive, turn off the reminders, turn off the alerts that are not adding value to your life. Do a cleanup, just try it. You know, it's not to say you're not going to get the information, but you're going to now pull the information when you want it versus the information being pushed to you. Um, I have found that to be really valuable. Um, because I think, you know, productivity stems from being able to focus on the work that we're doing and all these interruptions just stop us from being able to do our work. So, yeah. So I, I love it. That's almost like the, uh, the anti resource right there. So <laughs> perfect. Uh, 
Next question is, could you please share with our quality people one professional association and one professional conference that you think would be a value add? I don't think this is going to be a shock to you since I just rolled off the board of the Society for Health as president so I'm, or past president, so I'm now I'm a past past president. Um, but that society, I found it when I got my first job in healthcare, when I joined uh, UF Health um, at Shands. And I, it was just like finding my home, you know, my professional career uh, society. Um, and so I, I joined Society for Health Systems and then I went to their first conference and I don't believe I've missed a conference since then. I think I'm running on about, I'd have to do the math, but six, 15 years, I think I've gone and without missing a conference. And that includes going to get my PhD and being a poor graduate student. I still went to the conference. Um, so my favorite conference is the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference, uh, which next year will be in Savannah, Georgia. Um, and through that, uh, so I went when I got my first job in healthcare, I went all through my PhD and actually, um, that was where I met people from the VA that said, hey, we, you know, we're interested in seeing if you'd be interesting, interested in applying and um, looking at potential career opportunities with us. Um, so that was, it's, I just have found it such a great networking, the society for networking and then that conference for networking, uh, as well as picking up, you know, new topics. Uh, this year, I think we had our largest group from uh, my VA network attend, and the uh, the other improvers came back, and they were like, we want to try this. We want to do this. Can we get these people on one of our calls? Can we do that? And I'm like, guys, slow down, slow down. <laughs> but it was their first one. Loved it. They're like, next year, we're going to present this, and we want to make sure we hear about that. And I'm like, okay, we're in. We're in. I'm, I'm all about going. No, I, I love it. I've I actually recommended a few folks to uh, go and check out the conference um, in Texas this past cycle. And we've already started talking about ideas for, you know, presentations for the, the next year's um, yeah. conference. And it's the same thing. They're like, you know, we could do a, a, a presentation on this project, this project. It's like we're combining projects into what wow. I'm like. I'm like, guys, we only got 30 to 40, you know, 45 minutes. Like we can't. <laughs> Each topic is almost its own unique um, presentation. So uh, a lot of yeah. good excitement generated from that conference. So good stuff. Yeah, I, and I, I love it. I'm actually um, hoping if they'll, if they'll have me, I want to try to maybe do a workshop this next year um, and lead one of the workshops. I've got a couple ideas in mind. Um, but I've always been on the board, so it's been, I haven't been able to even attend the workshop or give any workshops, but this year I'm hoping this might be my, my next year might be my year. All right, well, well, I was going to say, if you, if you know one or two board members, hint, hint, <laughs> you know, I might be able to slide a favor in there or something. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Actually, let's uh, move to the next question, which is, um, could you please recommend one book that our listeners will benefit from, but also share why? So <laughs> I have so many books that I want to tell you about because when you mentioned geek, yes, that's true. Um, so uh, the one I selected was uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, which is written by the kids of Frank and Lillian Gilbreth. And I actually did not read this book until maybe three or four years ago. And I loved it. 
I absolutely, the, it's, it's not necessarily a healthcare improvement book. I mean, it's about a family of 12 kids. Um, and the parents are, some would say the founders of industrial engineers. Um, but just to see the concepts and the approaches and the thoughts, the guy wanted his children to listen to records of foreign languages while they were in the shower because he felt that it was just a waste of time if they just were or in the bath because they were just wasting time if they were just in the bath. Like looking at seeing the every opportunity to make some small improvements and changes and efficiencies was amazing. He even scheduled all of them. Oh, what was it? They all got like their tonsils out at the same time. And even he got his, his own tonsils out. Um, and he were, he, he tried to film it and, and observe it and watch it. They watched surgeons and they watched bricklayers. And if, if you have any interest in improvement and quality, it's, it's just fun to read. And then it's also just truly enlightening as to how these people thought, you know, of earlier this century or last century, I guess I should say. Yeah. Now, did, did you ever see the movie by, uh, with Steve Martin in it? No. Well, yes, but no, don't compare it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it is funny though. When I, when I did watch the movie, I was like, you know, I, and it dawned on me that it was about the Gilberts. I was like, I did not know. I would not have ever figured that out. So, so I, I didn't know, I didn't know there was a book though. So I will have to look that one up now. It's just, I actually was like, I have, there was a, there's a second book too. There's a sequel to it. Um, I forget the name of that one, but it was, I had to watch or listen to that one too, or read it. I was like, this is so good. I just had to keep reading about these people in their lives. That one um, is just about the mother, Lillian Gilbreth. Um, But truly, truly very unique, creative people. All right. Wonderful. Well, uh, Ashley, I'm going to move us to our last question, but uh, you got to know that this one is a personal favorite because now I am going to try to get you to reflect on your past while also having you look forward to your future. So let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future take a second and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? Can it be like stock tips? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, none of that. No, no lotto numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I think to past Ashley, I would probably, um, I would, I would probably, I mean, how, how long ago did I learn about facilitation? No, no, no. I won't send me anything about facilitation. Um, I think in a sense, like trust your intuition, like, you know, go with what feels right. Um, I've had people tell me, you know, working for the government, I make a decent salary, but could I become a consultant or work for a consulting company and make more money? Probably. But is that the right thing for me? Is that where I want to be? You know, is that what my interest is? Is that, you know, just trust who you are, trust, you know, don't let others kind of influence your decisions. Um, go, you know, go with what really feels right for you. Um, so that's something that I always get, I always crack up when people are like, oh, you could make so much more money in the, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, 
yeah, but I probably wouldn't find any joy in doing that. Like my current job, I find a lot of joy in. Um, so, you know, really, yeah, trust your intuition with that. And then my future self, so future Ashley, um, I'm kind of big on just listening to the universe. So I think continue to listen to the universe, allow things to align. Um, <laughs> I mean, it kind of, it does crack me up because, you know, I mentioned when I was at that healthcare conference, the VA, and then they were interested in the work I was doing and they invited me there. And now here it is, I'm almost seven and a half years into my career in the VA. And if you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago, if I would even have thought of working for the VA, I would have been like, what? Really? No, probably not at all. Um, and I really find enjoyment in it. Um, the same is true uh, of coming down to Florida. You know, I, there was a position that opened up. I applied for it. Um, I ended up getting offered the position and I had to be out of my apartment in two weeks, which was like, perfect timing, right? I'm here. I am moving to Florida. I needed to be out. And it was just like the universe was saying, it's time to go. Like it's time to go to Florida. You should pack your, all your winter stuff up and put it in the closet and never take it out again. Cause you're moving to Florida. Um, and so I think just really kind of letting the universe tell you, you know, what, what your next steps are and, and not being afraid of when it's saying, Hey, try something different. Um, and using that. Well, wonderful. That was, uh, that was very, I guess, introspective and spiritual. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ashley, I, I just have to say that uh, I really appreciate the fact that we got you on. I think you shared a lot of great um, tips and tidbits and, you know, a lot of great um, experiences from your entire career path. Uh, we are right at the end of our show, but before I let you go, I would love for you to give our quality people a parting piece of advice and perhaps share the best way that they can follow you or connect with you on social media, and then we'll officially sign off. Oh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a tweeter. Um, so I am on, um, LinkedIn for sure. Um, oh, and you're definitely, I, I should have probably known that you were going to ask me this cause you are tech savvy, but you can find me searching Ashley Benedict. I don't think there are that many of us. Um, so, and if you know Jarvis, you're definitely going to find me because we are buddies on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Instagram. That's my favorite and I'm not hidden. I'm not, uh, you don't have to, to find me, um, at, uh, adventures away from Sam Sula. I know it's weird. I grew up in a small town of Sam Sula in Florida. Um, so it's S A M S U L A. Uh, so adventures away from Sam Sula. Um, yeah, if you want to connect, probably those two are what I'm on most, um, I find Instagram brings me just joy. Uh, and then LinkedIn, that's a, that's about a twice a week type check-in for me, but I, I like to look at what my colleagues are doing and what my, you know, network group is up to. Uh, so checking those out. And then my tidbit of like, just, I, I think, People need to enjoy the work that they do. And if it stops bringing them joy, uh, find something else. And I, I think healthcare is a very easy place to find the joy uh, if you are interested in uh, healthcare quality and working on improvement. Uh, 
there's just something really special about um, making processes better for people who, again, are at a time when, uh, you know, they're, um, they're maybe not at their best at, at times at their worst, you know, it's just, it's, it's really, it, it's an easy career path to take when you're doing, you're trying to do good, um, for people at low points in their life. So I, I highly suggest if people are thinking about it, you know, start networking, reach out to others, find out what their career paths are like, listen to Jarvis's podcast because he's getting amazing people to share their stories. Um, so yeah, it's been a real pleasure. No, absolutely. Well, the pleasure is all mine, Dr. Benedict. Um, I, I just have to thank you again. And to all of our quality people everywhere, I have to thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.